You are listening to the Grow Law Firm Podcast, where each guest shares actionable, practical ideas with you on how to get more clients, expand your reach, and grow your law firm's revenue and profit. Here's your host, Sasha Burson. Welcome to Grow Law Firm Podcast. I am your host, Sasha Burson. And today, I have a truly, truly remarkable guest. His name is Chester Santos, and he is the international man of memory. Also, the U.S. champion of memory. This is a truly unique guest, and we're so honored to have you here. Chester, tell us your story. How did you become the memory champion? Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me, Sasha. I'm excited to be on your podcast. So I actually one night was flipping channels and I happened to catch a segment on ABC's 2020, that evening news program. They had a segment on the United States National Memory Championship. It sparked my interest because people growing up had told me, wow, you have a really good memory. So when I saw that episode, I thought maybe I can do well in this competition. But I quickly found out that I wasn't quite on the level of the best people in the United States, able to memorize hundreds of names, decks of playing cards, hundreds of digits, perfectly forwards and backwards in a matter of minutes. So that's when I started doing research. Okay, how can one magnify their memory ability from where it's currently at? I experimented with a bunch of techniques. I found what seemed to be working best for me, stuck to training myself in that subset of techniques until eventually I did manage to win the United States Memory Championship. And since then, I've spent 14 plus years training other people all over the world in techniques that I feel that anybody can learn and benefit them right away in their career as far as professional development, personal life, personal development. And also, if you happen to have any kids or grandkids in school, what we talk about during today's interview will be very useful there as well. So that's sort of how it all began for me, just randomly catching that segment on ABC's 2020. Eventually, I won the U.S. Memory Championship, and now I've been training people around the world. That's fascinating because I thought you would tell me, and I didn't hear your story before, so I thought you would tell me that from early on, you knew that you have one of the most amazing memories out there, yet here you are, you watch this segment, and then you decided to learn how to, and you trained yourself to become the United States champion in memory competition. Exactly. So I, I probably had a better than average beginning point in terms of memory, but I was nowhere near the level I was able to reach in order to win the U.S. Memory Championship, that all came with training and practice. And what I firmly believe is that everybody listening to the podcast, no matter where you are today in terms of your memory ability, you can dramatically improve by just learning the right techniques and putting in a little bit of training and practice. That's it. Super interesting. So the audience of this podcast, as you know it, podcast the title Grow Law Firm, are all lawyers primarily law firm owners. They consume tremendous amount of information, but I also find that, that as business owners, their minds are distracted. They focus on so many different things. And when you talk to them about something that may have happened a few months ago, it's hard to recall that information. So if this is such a trainable trait, how do we go about training? How do we go about developing better memory, especially when you think about it. So I'm in my mid-40s. My memory is not the same as it used to be 20 years ago, probably not even as good as it was 10 years ago. And I typically blame it not so much on aging, right, but so much of just having numerous distractions. Yet I know for my business, and I assume the same also applies 
to our clients' businesses, knowing of the top executive or one of the top executives is incredibly important. Our ability to recall facts on the fly is incredibly important when dealing with clients, employees, vendors, and the rest. I assume that by having a better memory, you can be making more money, and the opposite is also true. Am I on the right path of thinking here? Definitely, Sasha. So a lot of people feel that their memory was better 10, 20 years ago. And it isn't just due to the aging process. It has a lot to do with the fact that we used to use our memory much more 10 to 20 years ago. In your schooling years, you're constantly challenged to learn tons of information from a wide variety of areas. You're tested on your recall of that information for quizzes, exams, to write papers, right? That's part of it. Also, we've entered this age in the last 20 years of digital dependency. We are really outsourcing our our memory more and more to these electronic devices. And unfortunately, the use it or lose it principle does apply to your memory. If you use it less, it's Mm -hmm. going to get worse over time. The positive aspect here is that at any age, you really can improve your memory ability. And memory is a fundamental part of learning. When you improve your ability to remember, it's going to have a positive impact on so many different areas of your life. And definitely attorneys, law firm owners in particular, I think can benefit from their memory skills. So I'll go over just three overarching principles that will apply no matter what memory technique you end up learning or using. And then we can go over some practical applications from there. But One thing to keep in mind if you want to improve your ability to remember is try to get good at turning whatever it is you want to remember into something that you can picture in your mind, something that you can see. We're very good at remembering things that we see. I'll use an example, start out with names. We can talk about names in more detail later on. This is a pretty common experience, though, I think that people can relate to. Let's say you go to a party, all right? You're meeting a lot of new people. Two weeks after that party is over, you're talking with one of your friends that was there. And your friend describes someone to you from the party. Your friend says, hey, you remember that judge that we met at the party a couple weeks ago? He's also a member of the golf club. As your friend is describing that person to you, a lot of times you can picture in your mind exactly who they're talking about. All right. You might be able to even pull up in your mind what they were wearing when you met them. And obviously your friend can see in their mind who they're describing to you, right? But a lot of times, neither one of you can remember the name exactly. So I think this illustrates pretty well that when it comes to dealing with people, we tend to be pretty good at remembering people's faces. We can call to mind what somebody looks like, but we're not nearly as good with names. This makes sense when you think about it, because when you interact with people in various ways, you actually see the face, right? The face is recorded into your visual memory, but the name is something much more abstract to the brain. So one way that you can get better at remembering names is to turn them into powerful visuals. So if I meet someone named Mike, I might picture a microphone. If I meet someone named Alice, I might picture a white rabbit because that reminds me of Alice in Wonderland. It might sound a little bit silly, but trust me, it's very powerful. That's how I will actually open presentations at conferences and corporate events with naming hundreds of people in the audience after hearing each name just one time It's by turning those names into powerful visuals. Again, we can get into that in more detail later, but really what I want to get across to the podcast audience at this point is simply the power of creating visuals, all right? In this case, it was for names, 
But really, anything that you want to remember, if you can visualize it, you're going to be much better at remembering, all right? Second principle to apply if you can, beyond seeing this visual, try to involve more senses if you can. So you imagine that you feel that white rabbit, you smell the white rabbit. As you add additional senses, you're activating more areas of your brain and you're building more connections in your mind to the information so it makes it easier to retrieve it later. If anybody ever wants to check it out later, I started in an episode of PBS's Nova Science. They had me perform some crazy memory feats. Then they had me train David Pogue. Some people might know him from the New York Times and CBS News. Then they had some brain scientists come on, neuroscientists, come on and explain for people watching at home on TV, okay, how was Chester able to pull off those memory feats? How was David Pogue able to do it with just a little bit of training? From Chester and these brain scientists confirm that it's because with these memory techniques that I've mastered over the years and that we're going to learn a little bit about during this interview, we're recruiting extra areas of the brain to help us, areas of the brain that most people never involve. And part of learning to do this is involving more senses. So just to summarize again, the more senses you involve when trying to encode something into memory, the more of your brain's activated, the easier it becomes to can, remember. Can you give an example? Yeah. So in the case of that microphone, right, for Mike, instead of just visualizing, imagine that a loud noise comes from the microphone and startles you. And then also some sort of interesting smell starts to emit from the microphone. Maybe you touch it and it feels hot. So when you're adding those additional senses to that initial visual, you'll be activating more of your brain and you'll make that memory even more powerful, right? So it's going to be even easier to recall it later on. So that's all, all that I meant by that. And then the third and final thing to keep in mind is in addition to seeing things involving additional senses, if you can make it all weird out of the ordinary, because there's a psychological aspect to human memory. We all remember with little to no effort, things that catch us by surprise, right? So if, Sasha, in the room that you're in right now, if an elephant suddenly crashed into the room right now and it started to spray water all over you with its trunk, if that actually happened at this moment, you'd probably remember that 40 years from now, you'd be at a dinner and say, you'll, you'll never believe this. On my podcast, I had a memory guy. I was interviewing him and an elephant crashed into the room. It was unbelievable, right? And that would be stuck there maybe forever without you even trying to commit that to memory, right? That's right. just due to the psychological aspect of human memory. We can actually harness that and apply it to things that would be very useful to remember. Names to get more of networking, right? At, at networking events, conferences. We can apply this to presentations. So it could be opening and closing arguments, minimizing the amount of notes. It could be applied to facts and figures. So when you're meeting with a client or potential client, better demonstrating your knowledge and expertise and maybe this particular area of the law. Believe it or not, it can be applied to all of that. When you combine those three principles that I just went over, it was just visuals, using additional senses, and third, making it all weird, unusual, you'll notice an immediate improvement in your ability to remember things. And people, I think, will be much clearer on this if we go through an interactive exercise. I want to use you as the guinea pig, whenever so you're ready. Just that. Let's do it. But I also wanted to ask you, before we go there, I have a fairly common slash uncommon name, right? So when you think about me, Sasha, so yeah. how would you use that exercise to like remember my name five years from now? 
Yeah, totally. So it's going to be unique to each individual person, right? What would personally remind you of that particular name, right? But I tend to go with the first thing that pops into my head. You're just building like a mental note card or mental cue card. So I think right away, just a simple sash, like a cloth sash might be enough to remind me. If I see a sash, I'm going to be, what name could that remind me of? Sash, sash, probably Sasha, right? But you want to ideally link that to something about the person's look. So you've got really cool looking hair. I'm out of hair, so I'm always wearing a hat to cover up the, the baldness. But you've got really cool, great hair there. So I might imagine the sash is going through your hair. Maybe it's getting tangled up in your hair, right? So the next time you see the person, all you have to do is ask yourself, what is unique to you about this person's look? I personally noticed your hair, so I'm likely to notice it again, right? When I ask myself, what's unique to me about your look? Right away, the image of the sash is going to come back and it's going to remind me, sash, ah, it was Sasha. So it sounds a bit weird, but trust me, it's very powerful and effective and anyone can get good at doing this with, with just a little bit of training and practice. So this practice is 100% ingrained in you because you used an earlier example where you were speaking to an audience with hundreds of people and you yeah. memorized their names. Like how long did it take for you to memorize 100 plus names? Yeah, so usually at a conference or corporate event, realistically how it's set up is I will go on maybe after a cocktail hour or after a lunch or something like that. So mm -hmm. I will walk around the room, even if there's 200 plus people, I'll go around during that hour lunch and I'll meet everybody, all 200 plus people. And then I'll open after the lunch with everybody stand up, cover up your name tag, and then I'll name everybody in the, in the audience. My record has been 215 people in the audience perfectly named. <laughs> wow. How does that translate into improving business outcomes? I'm just super curious because, for example, so I am big on following Warren Buffett. The guy recently turned 92 years old. His memory is amazing. His performance is amazing. At 92, he still consumed 600 to 1,000 pages per day. So yeah. I assume that, in part, his memory is so good because he is utilizing it all the time. But I don't know if he is really intentional about engaging his memory, other than he just has that as a practice. But you talk about developing skills, like developing your memory as a skill. Yeah, memory is a skill. So I refer to this as developing your memory skill. So to remember more of what you're reading, to retain more of it, you want to try to, as you're reading the information, try to see it like a movie or a cartoon playing in your head. Adding this visual component is really going to aid in retention. I think even that is going to become clearer with an exercise. I'm going to have you try to memorize a long list of words and your audience can follow along as you go through this. The word list is going to be simply monkey, iron, rope, kite, house, paper, shoe, worm, envelope, pencil, river, rock, tree, cheese, <laughs> Now, I know... I get that reaction a lot. People think, no, I'm not going to be able to do that. Not unless you give me a lot of time to do it. But believe it or not, Sasha, you will have this down perfectly forwards and backwards. And your audience listening along will also know all of the words forwards and backwards with just about three minutes of us going through this. 
And people even email me many months after a podcast interview wanting to demonstrate that they can't believe that they still remember all the words. Just all you'll do is relax, okay? We're going to incorporate those three principles that I talked about earlier. I'm just going to guide you through a fun and interesting visual story, all right? So the first word was monkey. Sasha, I just want for you in your mind with your eyes opened or closed, whatever's more comfortable for you, visualize a monkey, all right? This monkey is dancing around. It's making monkey noises, whatever a monkey would sound like. I'm working on the monkey impression, but the point here is to see and hear the monkey, okay? Okay. The monkey now picks up a gigantic iron like you would iron your clothes with, all right? This monkey is dancing around with the giant iron. Just see this okay. like a movie or cartoon playing in your head, all right? And hopefully the listening audience is following along. So the iron starts to fall, but a rope attaches itself to the iron. Maybe even feel that rope. Maybe it feels sort of rough, all right? Really interact with it, that rope. You look up the and you see that the other end of the rope is attached to a kite, and it's flying around in the air. Maybe you reach up and try and touch that kite. Just see it flying around. Don't worry. Relax. Have fun. Just see this cartoon, this story playing in your head, and you'll get it. The kite is flying up in the air, and you see the kite crash into the side of a house. Really see it in your mind. Smash into the house. Picture that as best you can. Eyes opened or closed. The kite is crashing into this house. The house you notice is completely covered in paper. For some weird reason, it's totally covered in paper. Picture that. Next word I had given you was paper. Out of nowhere, a shoe appears, and it starts to walk all over the paper. Maybe it's messing it up as it's walking on it, that shoe. All right? Really see that shoe the shoe smells pretty badly so you decide to investigate and see why you look inside and you see a smelly worm crawling around really see that worm crawling around in the shoe just picture it you know as best you can the imagery doesn't need to be crystal clear so you see that worm the worm jumps out of the shoe and into an envelope maybe it's going to mail itself or something i don't know envelope was next just see that worm go into the envelope out of nowhere, a pencil appears and it starts to write all over the envelope. Maybe it's addressing it, that pencil, right? Just see that pencil. The pencil now jumps into a river and there's a huge splash like you would never expect to see when it hits the river, all right? The river is crashing into a rock. It's crashing into the rock. See this river crashing up against that rock. The rock flies out of the river and it crashes into a tree, Really see it crash into the tree. This tree is growing cheese. You probably haven't seen a tree like that. This one is growing cheese. And out of the cheese shoots a dollar. A dollar shoots out of the cheese. Really see that dollar come out of the cheese. That was it. Don't worry. Now I'm going to run through this again in just about 30 seconds. And all you have to do is replay through this little story that you've created in your mind, all right? And the audience can control along. So we've got the monkey, all right? The yeah, monkey was dancing around with, just see the iron, right? Yeah, yes. The iron started to fall. A rope attached itself, good. The other end the of the rope was attached to the kite, exactly. The kite crashed into just see the house. It was covered in paper, awesome. See that paper? Something walked on it. A shoe walked on it, oh. We got a smelly worm. You got it. The worm was crawling in there. The worm then it jumped in. The envelope. 
in the envelope. See it go into the envelope. See it go into the envelope. And then something was writing on the envelope. Pencil. Which crashed into the river. You got it. That was crashing into the river. There was the rock. The rock. Into a tree. Yep. It was growing through trees. And came. A dollar. You got it down. So now try to recall it all by yourself by simply going through the story. Each major object that you encounter in the story will give you the next word and people listening can follow along. Take your time. So this is crazy, but they actually remember. So there's the monkey with the iron and there is a rope attached to the iron. To the other end of the rope, there is a kite and then the kite crashes into a building or a house. Yep, and house. Also, it's kind of weird because it's covered in paper. Perfect. And there is a shoe that's walking all over the paper. Inside the shoe, there is a smelly worm. The worm jumps out of the shoe into the envelope. Yes. And then there is a pencil that jumps on the envelope and writes something on the envelope. Yes, you got it. And then the pencil jumps into a river, and the river crashes into a rock, and the rock flies up to a tree, and the tree is weird because it's growing cheese, and out of the cheese comes out dollar. 100%. I thought that my memory really sucks because I'm so distracted with million different things that happen every day. This gives yeah. me hope. And it's really interesting. So help me understand this. And this is just such an atypical podcast. We always talk about business, 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 how to make more money. This is just super interesting. It's so different. My mom, she's 78 years old. Her greatest fear in this world is that she is going to get Alzheimer's. And she's going to become dependent on others. She reads daily. She engages her mind daily. The way that she knows. You mentioned that through some of your practices, there is a way to engage those areas of our brains that we usually do not engage. How do we do that? And what are those areas of our brains? Yeah, definitely. So here, automatically, you were activating many different areas of your brain that you're not normally engaging, especially when you're trying to commit things to memory, right? So here, with this approach, you're using much more of the brain to encode information into your memory. This, part of this is its brain exercise, right? When you're building that story, going through it, recalling it, you can feel that you're exercising your brain. Everybody is recommending nowadays a brain exercise program in addition to a physical exercise program. Mm -hmm. Now, unfortunately, as of today, there is no doctor, no researcher that can tell you, hey, just do these exercises, just take these vitamins, and you won't get Alzheimer's or another form of dementia. Nobody knows how to prevent it from happening. But what I do believe is that by engaging in rigorous brain exercise, you might be able to build up what they're calling cognitive reserve. So if people want to look that up, Later on, cognitive reserve is the terminology often used in the research, and they think that this may help to make you more resistant to some forms of dementia if you do unfortunately develop down the line, develop it down the line. So you'll gain more years of mental clarity that you wouldn't have had without that cognitive reserve. One of the best ways, they say, to build up this extra brain muscle cognitive reserve is to learn foreign languages. And of course, Mm. learning languages is going to be much easier for you if you develop your memory skills. So that's definitely one aspect of this, the brain exercise that may be beneficial in terms of Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia. But there are many business applications. One is 
an application for this. We just learned something called the story method, right? Building that interesting story, incorporating visuals, using other senses, making it weird. Let's say you wanted to give a presentation, minimizing the amount of notes, or you wanted to meet with a client, potential client, and be able to say, hey, here are five, 10 key things I learned about you and your company in my research. Here are five, 10 key ways as to why my firm is the perfect match for what you're doing. You can just build a little story to remind you of these key points and subpoints. Let's say I were going to give a talk about healthcare in the US, always a hot topic for a discussion. Maybe my first image is just of a stethoscope that the doctor uses to check your heartbeat. That just represents the broad topic for discussion today's healthcare. First talking point, high cost of healthcare in the US, maybe shooting out of the stethoscope or a bunch of $100 bills. Next talking point, under current healthcare programs, in order to get certain things covered, sometimes we need to find a way to cut through or navigate through a lot of red tape. Maybe wrapping itself around the $100 bills is all of this red tape. So I think that should give people an idea as to how you can talk on key points and subpoints, minimizing the amount of modes by just building a little story that reminds you of all of the information. So that's one possible business application there. That's a very cool business application. I find that you know, to me, speaking in front of an audience is a very natural thing. Yes, I have to train, but like it, it's easy for me. I can speak to five people. I can speak to 5,000 people. It doesn't matter. But to most, as far as I know, the greatest fear is public speaking. I think one of the reasons why people are so afraid to do public speaking is because they're afraid like of just flopping on the stage, right? Forgetting what it is that they want to talk about. So I, see, I definitely see an application there because you can build this, what you call this, and it's not associative memory, it's kind of associative memory, but use a different term. It's a story something memory, right? Yeah, so this is the story method, and we're basically just building mental note cards, mental cue cards, and you hit on exactly a very important point there. A lot of people do very much fear public speaking, and when you're able to at least minimize the amount of notes you're using and you have this reliable system, it improves your confidence, right? And when you have more confidence, you're definitely going to be a more effective and more persuasive speaker. That is super interesting. So the first time I gave like a big speech on the stage was in 2013. And I kid you not, I practiced for six weeks straight every day for 45 minutes. I was terrified that I was going to forget what I was going to talk about. I spent a ridiculous amount of hours preparing for that speech. Yeah, it's a common fear. And just having a system like this, I think, will improve people's confidence and also cut down that review time a bit. Mm -hmm. Help me understand this. And some people thinking of review time, it's super interesting because some people are just, we believe that they were born with photographic memory. I had a family member who has since passed away and his memory was so photographic. He went through medical school without studying very much. He would just like look at a page look at a page, look at a page, and he just remembered everything. Is this something that can be developed as well? Or is that you're either bored with it? Yeah, so some people are just naturally good at creating associations in their mind between something new that they're trying to learn and something that they already know, right? That's what memory and learning is always going to come down to. So in fact, the more that you already know, the easier it becomes to learn new things. So it's beneficial to stuff your brain with as much information as possible. That's going to make it easier for you to learn new things. Kind of the opposite of what most people think. They think that if they stuff a lot of things in there, it's going to become cluttered. But actually, that isn't the case. It would become easier to learn the more that you learn. But definitely, 
although some people are born with a better memory than others, a more natural inclination towards memory, you can develop it. You can get better from where you're currently at. So I did start above average, which is why I became interested in competing in, you know, the national memory championship. But again, I wasn't where I'm at now. That came with training and practice. So really anybody can develop a more powerful memory and definitely notice benefits in terms of business applications. So we covered presentations a bit just now. We covered a bit also on names to get more to business networking, right? To build better business, personal relationships with people. I think for practical, personal and business applications, anybody can get better. Super interesting. Let's imagine this. Let's imagine that tomorrow you and I buy a law firm. Neither one of us is an attorney, but we decide to invest into legal business and we buy a law firm and we have five, maybe 10 lawyers and they all practice, let's say, estate law. They help people prepare their wills, do planning, et cetera, et cetera. And you pitch them this idea. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to take training so that you improve your memory. How do you pitch this idea to them? Like, why is that important to them? What, how will that help them in their jobs? Yeah, definitely. So there are a lot of different things. One, again, more effective, persuasive speaker, remembering names to get more of networking, but also this helps you to add more and more to your knowledge base, all right? When you improve your memory skills, you're going to be able to add to your knowledge base. And this is important for coming up with creative and innovative solutions. So this is not according to me. This is according to Nobel Prize winning neuroscientist Eric Condell. In fact, when you are presented with some sort of new information, right, that hits you, your potential for coming up with new ideas from that, it's how that new information is interacting with everything that's stored up in your knowledge bank. So that more you add to your knowledge bank, the more potential you have for creativity and innovation, right? Also, this helps you to better demonstrate your knowledge and expertise. In today's business world, let's be honest, Sasha, nowadays, most people are not working on their memory at all, right? In fact, we're all outsourcing our memory to electronic devices. So this actually creates an opportunity for you to become more impressive and more memorable in business, if you work on your memory skills, even just to a small degree. So that's you want to be more memorable in the business world, right? More impressive. Interesting. I keep thinking about this example. So I thought that my memory is just getting worse, but I think you're absolutely right. Other than just being distracted, I also do outsource my memory to this little guy. Yep. Right. I, I, I remember my grandparents' phone number. I haven't dialed that number in about 27 years, they've been gone. But I remember that number. I don't remember my kid's phone number. I just don't. I remember the area code because we live here, right? But I don't remember his number because it's there. It's on my speed dial yep. on my phone. I force myself to still do like simple calculations in my head. Yeah. Just so it doesn't become like totally stale. But the memory is just, I haven't really worked on even maintaining it. That's why it's been declining. And it makes sense. And it's a lot of people nowadays. It's most people. I think we all are becoming very dependent on these digital devices. And I do think there's a little bit of danger in this digital dependency because 
it is part of why a lot of people are feeling this decline. And there's going to be certain instances where it's scary when you can't remember things when you really need to, right? So you get on an example, you be able to remember the phone numbers of so many friends, family members. Growing up, my parents gave me emergency numbers. We used to be good at doing that. Nowadays, there are some people out there that don't even know their own phone number. And if they have to commit to memory one number, they feel paralyzed in their ability to remember even one phone number. I think that's a little bit scary. So we need to be wary of becoming a 100% dependent on these electronic devices. Super interesting. You just gave me answers to some of the questions I've been wondering about for a while. Like I turned to God, I turned to religion a few years ago. And for me, memorizing verses is incredibly challenging. And I'm like, it must be the age thing and or I'm distracted because I have a million different responsibilities as any other adult with a couple of kids, I assume does. But it's not that. It's just that I am not trading my memory and trying to remember a verse here or a verse there is not exactly equivalent of trading your memory. So imagine this. We switch tables. Now you're such a person and you need to go and get training somewhere like to improve your memory. Where do you go? Where would you start? Yeah, so really, if you want more interactive training via fun exercises, the best place to go would be memoryschool.net. I would visualize a giant fishing net to remember that it's .net. So memoryschool.net is my main online training portal. And in case anyone from your audience happens to be interested, I set up code Sasha in honor of being on your podcast. And code Sasha will zero out the enrollment fee for people that use that code. There, It is limited to, I set it to 50. I don't know how many people from your audience would be interested, but we have to indicate how many times to allow that code to be used. In this case, I set it to 50. That should help out some of the most interested people from your audience. Thank you. And I didn't know about this school before a minute ago, and I appreciate you setting up that code. Let me ask you this. Most of us are super busy, right? So. My initial pushback is like, yeah, but how much time is this going to take? So what would you recommend on terms of like daily commitment or weekly commitment to actually training memory? Because like, I know I run a business. I also do this podcast. I also have a dedicated team that I am the leader of. I also do so many different things and I'm like, shit, that's another thing that I got to do. Like how much time should I commit to this on a daily basis? So really, the key is to be consistent. So just ask yourself, what is comfortable for you? This is a new skill that you want to develop. It's going to benefit you in so many ways because, again, memory is fundamental to learning. Anything else that you might want to learn in the future, learning that's going to be enhanced if you develop your memory skills, right? Realize that and see how much time you think you can comfortably dedicate to it each week Even just 15 to 30 minutes can be beneficial if you do it every single week and you don't miss a week. Even just 15 minutes, really, you're going to start to notice benefits over time. One of my clients for personal coaching, private coaching, he actually wants to write a book on the power of one hour a week because he is amazed that all of the new skills he's been able to develop over the years by just making a decision and a commitment to one hour per week. Over time, he started to develop these amazing new skills, one of which is is his memory skills. 
interesting. Does he chunk it into like smaller time blocks every day or every other day, or is it once a week for one hour? I know that our memory sessions are once a week for one hour. Well, he's not like personal training for him. Yeah, exactly. So our sessions are once a week for one hour. I know he does various martial arts, which I believe are also about one hour sessions. So he's just decided on what areas interest him. And he's committed to that one hour each week in, in each of those areas. And just over time, he's really developed some amazing new skills. But really the key, I mean, not everybody needs to even dedicate one hour. I really think 15 to 30 minutes can also be effective. But the whole key is don't miss a week. <laughs> then you're yeah, going to notice so, benefit over time. So skip stupid flake on Netflix, right? Because that doesn't really do anything for this, right? And invest a little bit. This thought never entered my mind that I need to train my memory. Like if anything, you start thinking like, oh, maybe I need to like take G-Cob or whatever it is that they used to advertise on TV way back when they talked about like memory, right? Take vitamins, right? But most people don't think about it that way. Most people are like, well, when something hurts, we go, or if there's a problem, we go and we take pills rather than vitamins because vitamins is more preventative. They're just not like, okay, it's age and distractions and so many responsibilities. But now that I can recite the following, and guys, get this, this is not a stage. A mulge, an iron, a rope, kite, lies a kite crashes into the house that's covered in paper, and a shoe is walking on that paper. Inside the shoe, there is a stinky worm that jumps out into an envelope, and there is a pencil that writes on the envelope, and then the pencil jumps into a river, and the river is fast moving and crashes into a rock, and then rock flies into a tree, and the tree is growing cheese, and there are dollar bills coming out of cheese. Awesome, man. Until about 10, 15 minutes ago, I was absolutely convinced that my memory is horrible. No, no, not at all. It's just, you know, it's just a matter of exercising it and using the right approach. So I hope this is encouraging, inspirational. Incredibly. In your audience, really, you can dramatically improve your memory with just the right training, a little bit of fun practice. Anybody is really capable of doing this. We just aren't using our memory much. The average business professional, again, hardly uses their memory these days. We're outsourcing it to electronic devices. 100%. 100%. So everything is in Google Docs or Evernote or in the phone or like notes, right? Checklists, everything. I definitely know where to look for the information that I need. And sometimes I even forget like what keyword to use to find. Yeah. But the good news is that if you will work on your memory just a little bit, you can keep it strong, improve it. And again, there's an opportunity to become more impressive and more memorable because most people aren't doing this nowadays. And it's very interesting, especially for attorneys. So attorneys, if you don't know this, I, I'd like to share that attorneys cannot claim to be the best at anything that they do because that violates their ethical rules of advertising. Because of that, they have to be more impressive to get more business. Awesome. So it's really important to remember the right stories, to remember the questions, to ask them so many other things. And I think a lot of attorneys, when they are connecting with prospective clients. They're kind of on autopilot asking the same questions, maybe telling the same stories. 
forgetting that those stories may be out there, maybe not that interesting, maybe the questions sound really can because they've been asking the same questions for 10, 15, 20 years, God knows how long. So by working actively on our memories, which are obviously part of our brains, we may just become more attractive to our prospective clients and thus end up with more business, thus end up with making more money in while investing five, 10 minutes into this thing, which potentially, right? I do not know if there is like definitive studies that proven this, but I read a number of times that when you work on your brain, on your memory, it lowers probability of getting Alzheimer's. And that's in part why my mom was always like a very interesting and interested person, right? So she always read a lot, but like in the last 10 years, she is like, I'm reading even more to keep this thing fresh because that's she's great. so afraid of like Alzheimer's. Like, although nobody in the family had Alzheimer's, right? but she's yeah. like, like, it's the worst thing that can happen. Yeah, it's very important to exercise. And again, they do think it might help to make you more resistant. So it's important to get in that brain exercise. Super interesting. So once again, memoryschool.net. Yeah. And code is Sasha. Check it out. Code is Sasha. Chester, thank you so very much. Thank you for having me, Sasha. Thanks for listening to the Grow Law Firm podcast. If you liked the ideas shared in this episode, help a fellow lawyer out by sharing a link to the episode. This episode is powered by the team of experts in client attraction, growlawfirm.com. Do you want a complimentary growth plan for your law firm? Request it at growlawfirm.com slash blueprint.